This is Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. We're in part two of chapter one, the lesson. Nine-tenths of the economic fallacies that are working such dreadful harm in the world today are the result of ignoring this lesson. Those fallacies all stem from one of two central fallacies, or both. That of looking only at the immediate consequences of an act or proposal, and that of looking at the consequences only for a particular group to the neglect of other groups. It is true, of course, that the opposite error is possible. In considering a policy, we ought not to concentrate only on its long-run results to the community as a whole. This is the error often made by the classical economists. It resulted in a certain callousness toward the fate of groups that were immediately hurt by policies or developments which proved to be beneficial on net balance and in the long run. But comparatively, few people today make this error, and those few consist mainly of professional economists. The most frequent fallacy by far today, the fallacy that emerges again and again in nearly every conversation that touches on economic affairs, the error of a thousand political speeches, central sophism of the quote-unquote new economics, is to concentrate on the short-run effects of policies on special groups and to ignore or belittle the long-run effects on the community as a whole. The quote-unquote new economists flatter themselves that this is a great, almost a revolutionary advance over the methods of the classical or orthodox economists because the former takes into consideration short-run effects which the latter often ignored. But in themselves, ignoring or slighting the long-run effects, they are making the far more serious error. They overlook the woods in their precise and minute examination of particular trees. Their methods and conclusions are often profoundly reactionary. They are sometimes surprised to find themselves in accord with 17th century mercantilism. They fall, in fact, into all the ancient errors, or would if they were not so inconsistent, that the classical economists we had hoped had once for all got rid of. It is often sadly remarked that the bad economists present their errors to the public better than the good economists present their truths. It is often complained that demagogues can be more plausible in putting forward economic nonsense from the platform than the honest men who try to show what is wrong with it. But the basic reason for this ought not to be mysterious. The reason is that the demagogues and bad economists are presenting half-truths. They are speaking only of the immediate effect of a proposed policy or its effect upon a single group. As far as they go, they may often be right. In these cases, the answer consists in showing that the proposed policy 
but also have longer and less desirable effects, or that it could benefit one group only at the expense of all other groups. The answer consists in supplementing and correcting the half-truth with the other half. But to consider all the chief effects of a proposed course on everybody often requires a long, complicated, and dull chain of reasoning. Most of the audience find this chain of reasoning difficult to follow and soon becomes bored and inattentive. The bad economists rationalize this intellectual debility and laziness by assuring the audience that it need not even attempt to follow the reasoning or judge it on its merits because it is only quote-unquote classism or liaise-faire or capitalist apologetics or whatever other term of abuse may happen to strike them as effective. We have stated the nature of the lesson and of the fallacies that stand in its way in abstract terms. But the lesson will not be driven home and the fallacies will continue to go unrecognized unless both are illuminated by examples. Through these examples, we can move from the most elementary problems in economics to the most complex and difficult. Through them, we can learn to detect and avoid first the crudest and most palpable fallacies, and finally some of the most sophisticated and elusive. To that task, we shall now proceed. That's the end of chapter one. Next time we'll be in chapter two, The Broken Window. <laughs>